Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through Ephesians, and in the previous message I was in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, where Paul was expressing his prayer that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I was focusing at the end of the previous message on the end of this verse with regards to the knowledge of him, and that knowing him is about him revealing himself, that we can certainly study our God in the context of theology, But what really matters is that he reveals himself to you personally. That's definitely distinct. It's different from just studying about him, learning about him, to genuinely know him because he has revealed himself to you is certainly different from just studying some book or listening to someone teach about who he is as a person. It is definitely worth studying about him, and it's definitely worth listening to others speak about who he is. But this has to do with the testimony of another person. And while the testimony of another person can certainly be of great benefit, and I don't want to take that away from you in any way whatsoever, and I do want to encourage you to study the scriptures, I just want you to understand that there is a difference And I believe that this is what Paul is referring to. He's not saying that you may know your God because you study the Bible. He's saying that you may know your God because he has revealed himself to you. But at the end of the previous message, I was talking about the fact that there can be some distinct limitations concerning what God can reveal to us at times, not because he has some kind of communication problem, which he obviously does not have, a communication problem. But what tends to be in the way is that we believe things that are simply not true. And this is important to embrace. You know, when you first come to know the Lord, when you first believe the gospel, you have to admit, you have to confess that there are a lot of things that you believe that simply are not true. And that when you get saved, this is the beginning of your journey of discovering the truth as God reveals, as God defines, what the truth is and how he reveals that to you. It is a discovery, it is a lifelong experience to grow and mature in the faith by discovering and understanding the truth that our God establishes, that he defines, and we incorporate this into our lives a little bit at a time. And when we do that, we let go of things that we believe that are not true. Now, the challenge, of course, is that within the Christian world, there are many different opinions concerning what is true when it comes to the revelation of our God and what he has done. So I mentioned an example 
at the end of the previous message the example of forgiveness because this tends to be the one thing that gets in the way of a lot of people discovering the love and the acceptance of God because from a religious point of view, people want to define the love and acceptance of God as being conditional upon your behavior. And of course, it is conditional according to the Old Covenant. The love and the acceptance of God would be understood as being conditional upon your behavior. But that's why he needed to establish a new covenant, because if that's the case, you're never going to be loved by God. You're never going to be accepted by God. And then what are you going to do when you have a deep need for the love and the acceptance of God and you can't obtain it because you simply don't believe that he loves you? You don't believe that he accepts you because you believe that he holds your sins against you. Well, then what are you going to do? You've got no alternative but to go out and indulge your flesh in sin in order to get a break, in order to get some kind of temporary reprieve or some sense of peace in your heart because of the emptiness that you feel deep inside because the God-shaped part of you to be loved and accepted by him and by him alone will never be filled because of your belief concerning the subject of forgiveness and whether or not you are right with God. So this is just an example and probably the most common example of something that someone may believe that is not true And it will get in the way of you embracing things that are true. And what I mentioned in the previous message is that this will create a limitation concerning what else he's going to share. I mean, what else is he going to really reveal to you about himself as a person if you're not resting in his acceptance for you? There just isn't much more that he can do until you will believe this truth. To grow in a relationship with a person is a layered experience. It's something that happens A little bit at a time, a little bit as you grow to know the truth, as you embrace that truth, as you rest in that, as that becomes an integral part of your life and of your being, then you will add a little bit more and a little bit more. And there are so many things that God would love for us to understand about himself that just simply requires us to understand other things first. But if we cannot get past those things then there just isn't anywhere for God to go but to wait until you will believe those things that he has shared with you. And so if you have found yourself feeling as if you have been stuck in growing in a knowledge of him as a person, if you feel that there has been no genuine revelation by him, that he just simply is not revealing himself to you very much, then it might be because you are believing something that isn't true and these things are in the way because he needs you to understand these things before he can show other things to you. Instead, what do most people do? Most people will just wait until they die and go to heaven. They just embrace what they have. They never consider the importance of revisiting the things that we believe, evaluating them, considering how consistent are those things with the things that God has already had to say. People don't continue to discover what God has had to say, what he has revealed. They don't consider continuing the study of the scriptures, possibly because they don't understand what is being conveyed there. But there are opportunities for us to grow in our understanding of those things, Through a verse-by-verse study such as this, you can hear the testimony of myself or others. And in the midst of the pursuit, 
God may very well reveal something to you, something that needs to be corrected, something that needs to be adjusted. I'm speaking to you from my own testimony. I am personally testifying of what I experienced in my own life. This is how I grew. This is how I matured. So I can testify of this as being real and something that others could potentially experience themselves. But I certainly cannot teach you all that I have learned from a revelatory point of view, you know, in the sense of this is something that I am going to give you the revelation of because I'm not God. I can only testify of what he has shown to me, but you must hear from the voice of God yourself. And this is part of the role of the Holy Spirit of God in your life, that you may hear from him and you may hear his testimony concerning what other people may testify about who he is as a person. And so going back to verse 17, this is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So we know, because of what Paul has expressed here, we know that our God, he wants to reveal himself to you. He does. He wants you to know him as a person, He wants you to experience his spirit within you as he reveals to you his wisdom and his knowledge through his revelation. That's the end of verse 17. May give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He wants you to have wisdom. His spirit is that which is within you that will provide you with wisdom and revelation. He wants you to know him. This is expressed at the end of verse 17 in the knowledge of him that we may know him as a person through knowing him. He will convey to us wisdom and understanding. All of this is interdependent in the sense that these things happen a little bit at a time, a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of wisdom through revelation And then as we embrace that a little bit more and a little bit more, and this is the living experience of being a child of God who grows and matures in the faith in our relationship with him. You know, sometimes when I'm studying through the scriptures and I see what he has had to say and I see some of the things that he's done, sometimes I'll just ask him. I just ask the question in my spirit, what did you see happening here? Or, what were you really thinking? Or, what do you understand about what happened? And how does this relate to your purposes, to your goals, to your objectives? How does this relate to what you are really accomplishing here in this planet that you created? And when I see the testimony of other people, this is the letter of the Ephesians of the Apostle Paul, I will ask God, Lord, what do you see In what Paul wrote here, what was he thinking? What was he seeing? What was he really trying to convey about what he knew about you in terms of how you revealed yourself to him? These are some examples of some questions that you may just simply ask your God about as you are studying through the scriptures. And there may be times when he will reveal something to you and you'll know 
that it came from him because you'll just know that there's no way you would have thought of that on your own. This is something that I can personally testify of, but it's not something that I can teach you how to do or how to experience the voice of God. I can only speak of it. For you to experience this yourself, you have to experience this yourself. But what I would like you to see before I move beyond verse 17 is that this is something that God genuinely desires. He wants you to know him. He wants you to experience his revelation. He wants to reveal himself to you personally. He wants you to have an increase in wisdom by understanding his wisdom, knowing his wisdom concerning the life that you are in, the world that you are a part of, and letting that be a part of how you engage the world that you are a part of and how you relate to him as a person, relate to your God. So moving forward into verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, and I'll speak more about the hope of his calling in just a moment, but that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that there will be some illumination that takes place, that God will open your eyes so that you can see what? So that you can see him and you can see his wisdom and his understanding because he reveals these things to you. But again, what tends to get in the way of us being enlightened by God personally is just simply the things that we believe, the things that we believe that are not true, that do need to be evaluated, that do need to be corrected, and that this is, you need to understand, that this is a living experience, it is part of our lives, and it is a struggle that we will have, that you will have, as long as you are physically alive and as long as you are here on this earth and in this world. Now, as I have been in the faith for a long time myself, There are many things that I have evaluated over and over and over again. And these are things that at this point in my faith, which has been after many decades, I will say that these are things that I genuinely believe. And I have evaluated these things enough that I have great confidence that my belief concerning these things will not change. Now, it could be that some of these things are not true, and I will understand that these are going to be things that will be a barrier between my God and I just because I don't see believing something different from what I believe. But so far, I feel confident with what I know and with what I understand when it comes to these things that I simply rest in the peace of believing that these are true And I do enjoy the additional revelations that I believe God has revealed to me because of these things that I understand. So through the layered experience and through the time that I have spent reevaluating things, I do have a lot of confidence in many of the things that I do believe. And this can tend to be a little frustrating to some people on occasion when they communicate with me as if these subjects are simply not new to me at all. Now, I understand And I tell these people, in general, that while I may be new to them, these subjects that they want to debate with me about, or they want to make corrections in my faith concerning what I believe, I understand that 
most of the time, I'm very new to them. But these subjects are simply not new to me. And that I have made a decision that I don't think will ever be corrected for the remaining years that I will be alive. And I just simply live with that understanding and that acceptance. And so I will take the position that God has given me enlightenment, that he has illuminated some things to me, because to me, I see these things with such absolute clarity that I just don't see ever letting these things go. And that's what I usually think of when I read verse 18, when Paul said that the eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And so from this position, from this point of view, I do have deep convictions concerning the hope. What do I really hope for concerning his calling, this calling? What do I really hold on to with genuine hope? I have great hope and expectation that I will have a place in his kingdom. It is hope to such an extent that I have absolute conviction. I have hope that God will continue to show himself to me more and more. He has done this enough already throughout the years of my faith. That is a hope that has been fulfilled, but I also have a great hope that it will continue. And of course, if it doesn't, then I will be thankful for what the Lord has revealed to me already. But what I would like to testify to you right now is that I know what is the hope of his calling. I know enough of it that I can testify to you that there is an opportunity for you to experience a profound sense of peace and rest as you grow and mature in the faith that eventually there will definitely come a point where you will have the absolute confidence, if you don't have it now, you will have the absolute confidence of his enlightenment concerning what he has called you to, concerning who he has called you to, which is to himself, and that you will have the confidence that will carry you on until you physically die and enter into the new life that is waiting for you. Now, what is the call, the hope of his calling? Fundamentally, the call is to Christ. That is the call. God has called out to the entire world saying what? He has called out to the entire world saying, come to me. Everyone has been called and the call is always to him. Sometimes people think of the calling of God as something that you are to be doing. You know, you're to go into the ministry or to the mission field or you're to go and engage in a permanent relationship with another person, that kind of thing. That this is something that God has called you to do or called you to experience. It's my opinion that this fits into the category of what you have been sent to do that God will send us to participate in certain things in the world on occasion. But that the calling, what we are to go to, who we are to go to, is to Christ. It is to him as a person, and then he will send as we are a part of the ministry, of the service of what he is doing in the world at this time. And if you go, well, then you went because you were sent. And if you went 
because you were sent, then when you get there, whatever that may be, you are then put. And if you know who sent you and you know who put you, well, then you can have great confidence that regardless of the outcome, you are still following your God. The call is always to him. And so the hope of his calling, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, first and foremost, is to know that you have been called by God and that you have responded to that call. Others who are in the world have also been called. Everyone has been called. But only some people will decide to respond to that call. And who are these people? These are people who want to know their God, referring to verse 17. The people who want to know him. The people who want to be the recipients of his wisdom. Who want God to reveal himself to them. These are the people who will respond to the call. And everybody else who has no interest, they decide that they have no interest in the wisdom of God, in the revelation of God, in the knowledge of God. Those people who make that decision are those who do not respond to the call. And so, in a sense, God gives a specific call out to humanity. The only people who are really called then are those who will respond to the call. This is not complicated. If it becomes complicated to you, then it probably means that what is being expressed is not true. It's simple. You can understand it in many ways, but consider this one. God calls out to people and he asks the question, is there anyone out there who wants to know me? Anyone? That is God calling out to the world. Who does he call to? He's calling out to anyone who wants to know him. That's who he's calling to. Everyone, in a sense, but he's calling to the specific people in the midst of that. The specific people who will answer the call, those who want to know him. And then, you know, the rest of the people who say, no, I don't want to know you. Well, then God can easily respond with something that sounds like, well, that's fine. I wasn't calling out to you. I was calling out to these other people. These are the people who I'm calling. I'm calling anybody who wants to know me. And since you don't, well, then we can just say that I'm not calling out to you. I'm calling to these others. And the others are the ones who decide that they want the wisdom of God. They want to know their God. So again, going back to verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Why would they be enlightened? Because you want them to be enlightened. That's why. You want them to be enlightened and you are willing to embrace whatever truth God will reveal to you. Let that be a continual revelatory experience as you replace the truth of God with those lies, those things you believe that are not true. And you will experience this as a life to be lived, as a layered experience of understanding more and more that you may know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints now this is a paradigm shift it is a shift from the inheritance that you have received to an inheritance that he receives this is a mutual relationship but I will continue with this in the next program.
You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net.